You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Lots on the slate today. Man, two hours to run through it all, so no time to mess around. Let's roll on this Saturday edition. The number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. I am on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. And as I said, a lot to run through. you got the NFL labor deal, all the latest there we'll get into, especially the aspects I actually care about. <laughs> I'm not really all that worried about the financials or anything like that, but we'll get into that. We have the big-time fight to watch tonight, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. Nothing like a big-time fight. Nothing like that kind of event. And tonight is absolutely an event, and it's an event when you get it. And you don't get it very often. You got it with Triple G and uh, Canelo Alvarez, even though Triple G got screwed a couple of times. But now you got the heavyweights going at it, and you like the heavyweights because there's a better chance somebody's going to get knocked out. You're not – I mean, maybe it's me, and maybe I'm just a casual boxing fan. I like a, a good fight where there's there's combinations put together and there's, there's, there's a lot of action back and forth. But mostly – and maybe this doesn't speak well to me – I just want to see somebody get knocked out. I like watching people get punched, falling down, and they can't get back up. That's the sport. So, yeah, I mean, I like a fight where, you know, there's uh, action and, and battles and, and this and that. But mostly I want to see a knockout. I don't want to see a decision. Nobody goes in saying, well, I hope he can outpoint him. Well, I hope, I hope there's sweet science. No. You want to see somebody get knocked out. And at least I think a good possibility tonight, somebody gets uh, knocked out. But. It is also going to be about, what, 50 degrees today, I think. And today is the day, even at a small scale, that baseball returns. Yes, it's only spring training, and no, it's not real games. But the closer we move to baseball being back, the better. And the closer we move to actual games, regular season games, being played, the better. And nobody should be happier, and I don't think anybody could be happier, The Major League Baseball. Because maybe if games are going on, you know, actual games, not the games that we're going to get today, but we'll take the ones we can get today. Anytime you can have a little baseball in the air, it's always good. But maybe if actual games are going on, the best part will be that everyone will finally shut up. The Astros will shut up. Rob Manfred can uh, be allowed to shut up. He doesn't have any more of these press conferences that don't solve anything. Players everywhere can finally shut up. I know there's a lot of people that want that. Former players will finally shut up, like David Ortiz and his comments during the week. Because at this point, what's done is done. And at this point, while some people are having a hard time moving on from this, Major League Baseball showed you that if you're having a hard time moving on, they don't care. They don't care what you think. Rob Manfred doesn't care what you think. Jim Crane certainly doesn't care what you think. The Astros have made it abundantly clear multiple times they don't care what you think. So either move on or get lost. That's what they've told you. Because while people are having a hard time, we're still getting calls about, well, they should do this, they should do that. Newsflash, people, and I'm sorry to be the one to break it to you. The penalty phase of the case is over. The penalty phase is done. So if you're still cooking up in your own mind 
and calling at 1-800-919-ESPN. Well, they should, what baseball should do is this. What baseball should do is that. Baseball should take away the trophy. Baseball should take away the rings. Baseball should put it at that phase is over with now. Baseball has moved on. They've done so too slowly. And they've done so in a way that makes it clear that they did not care about this case before you found out about it, before Mike Fires went to the athletic. And they certainly didn't care about it since. And it's funny because uh, Bob Clappish, the great baseball writer, yesterday tweeted out, I think it was yesterday, maybe it was the day before. One MLB executive says he is not shocked at how poorly the Astros have handled the current crisis. Jim Crane was warned about a coming storm, urged to gather his players and prepare for industry reaction, media questions. Crane passed on the idea and said it'll blow over by spring training. Well, it's not blown over, right? I mean, we're still talking about it, and it's still the sports story of 2020. What, we're like 52, 53 days into the year, and it is still by far the number one sports story of the year. And it's not going to blow over anytime soon. Nobody feels like anybody involved was really punished, right? Certainly not the team. Uh, the team is still going to be good this year, so it's not even like you can say, hey, they didn't get punished for 2017, but look at them now. No, they're still going to be a good team. And you could make maybe make the argument that in terms of the change at manager, who knows, maybe they might be better. Fresh voice. Dusty certainly has credibility as a manager. So maybe they're going to be, maybe they're going to be even better. Who knows? And everyone still feels like they're cheating, right? And that might be paranoia. That might be just thinking conspiracy theories. Ah, these guys, they're still cheating in some other way. No proof of that, at least. But the problem is all the people that feel like that felt like that then. And back then they were right. They were right. They were cheating. So the fact that they're going to be good, I don't know. People, it seems like, are of some people are under the impression that if the Astros go out this year, and are a playoff team and go deep into October and, and maybe even win the World Series, that will prove once and for all that the cheating that went on, and that's what it was, cheating, well, really didn't make an impact. It's really not a big deal. See, they won then and they won now. I don't think that that's the case. I think most people's perception will be, based on the results and based on how baseball has handled it, is that the Astros are still cheating right now, and it's just that Major League Baseball has no stomach to uncover it because they had no stomach to uncover it back then. John Heyman tweeted out that Tony Clark, the union head, met with the Astros yesterday. The Astros uh, players were passionate, focused, and direct. Also, used the word contrite. Contrite? I wasn't in the meeting, but I'm fairly certain they weren't contrite. I mean, unless you use it in a sentence like the players were not contrite. Contrite does show up in the sentence, but it does kind of alter the meaning of the word. They were not contrite when the story broke. They were not contrite when they were met with FanFest, where they had to expect the questions were going to be focused all on this. They weren't contrite at a press conference they called to address this specific issue. Carlos Correa was not contrite afterwards, but now behind closed doors where no one can see, they were contrite. In other news, how much does that bridge cost? I'd really like to buy that bridge. So thank heavens the games are getting closer. 
because now we'll have something else to at least focus on, even though in our minds, I think most of us, if you're a baseball fan and feel like most of us do, that the Astros cheated their way to a title and did not get punished in any way, at least you'll have some games to focus on. But if you're still focused on the penalty phase, I have news for you. It's time to move on, people, because baseball does not care and does not care what you think. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And also, maybe if we get closer to the games, maybe, this is going to be nutty, I realize that, but maybe we can have, I don't know, like a day, maybe two days, maybe even three days in a row, back to back to back, where the Yankees don't have a player go down to injury. I mean, it is outrageous. The Yankees reported to spring the players, not the pitchers and guys, the players reported on the 17th. Today's the 22nd. They've already lost 40% of their starting rotation. And oh yeah, their best offensive player. Well, it's, they didn't really lose them. Only Paxson's going to, you know, is going to miss significant time. And he always misses significant time. Okay. Well, Aaron Judge is sitting out because of what they're calling shoulder maintenance. What is shoulder maintenance? Well, my shoulder hurts. Okay, so you have a sore shoulder. It's not shoulder maintenance. You, your shoulder is hurting you, and that's, a, and that's an issue. Like when my wife asked me to do something and my back hurts, I don't say, uh, sweetie, I'm having back maintenance. I'm taking a back maintenance day. I'm saying my back hurts. And then you have Severino, where that news comes down. And I got to be honest, it wasn't really all that much of a shock because of the way things went last year. And at this point, they can say what they want. It feels like just a matter of time before you get something popping up and he, you know, is going to miss significant time. Because that's what happened last year. Last year, sent him for test. No, everything looks good. It's just going to be, you know, it's not going to be, he's not going to be ready for the start of the year. But don't worry, before too long, turns out it was a big deal. And it was long. And we're a week into spring training, and you've already have issues, significant issues. Maybe they turn, maybe they blow over. Maybe Aaron Judge is just fine. And he goes out and plays 150 games this year. Maybe, against all odds, Luis Severino is fine, and maybe he's not there for opening day. But maybe in the first month of the season, he's back and he's pitching like you hope he does. But we're a week in, and considering all the guys who are coming off injuries. It's hard to believe that these stories are going to stop because you have Stanton who missed all that time last year, whether or not he's going to be healthy. You have Sanchez who always seems to have a thing or two pop up. You got Andujar who's coming off missing the entire season. You got Voight in the core muscle, whatever the heck that is. I don't think I have any core muscles. Is that possible? Do you develop core muscles? Because I don't think I have any of those. I got to go to the, the GNC and find out about those. And I'll tell you right now, we do the show at 5 in the morning, Monday through Friday. I will tell you right now. If you're driving around or looking around and you're on Twitter, you're here or you're there, and all of a sudden there's a story that pops up during the week, say like a Wednesday at 5 o'clock, all of a sudden a story pops up, Garrett Cole experiencing this or that. I don't want Garrett Cole experiencing anything. Because I'll tell you right now, if all of a sudden there's a story about Garrett Cole and now he has this issue or that issue. I'm not. I'm not coming in. I'm. I'm that's it. I'm going to walk the earth. I'm. I'm leaving this. Prof- I'll go do something else with my life. I don't need it. So hopefully it doesn't come to that case. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on ninety eight point seven ESPN. 
Chris Canty. I've actually been breaking his chops about something that he said to me off the air, but I'll actually bring it on the air a little bit later. So I don't apologize often because I'm not often wrong. But this one, I'm not necessarily wrong per se, but at least I can see things from his point of view. And that's important. Tiger winning the Masters last year says hello, by the way. Well, you said he was going to win two majors. And you said in, in, he was in not one going... year. Well, you didn't know when the Masters was. So that it, forgive me if I didn't take your opinion all that seriously. I absolutely knew when the Masters was. You I said, wasn't was sure it, of the actual March, date. April, when is it? I said right. late March, early die April. Die hard, die hard, uh, Tiger fan. All right, it's the Gordon Dammer Show. It's a mess already. Uh, we're only 21 minutes into the show, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get it on track. We'll get it on track, much like Major League Baseball's got to get things on track. And uh, Yankees game today, Mets game, so uh, I don't know how much uh, any of the actual guys are going to play, but it's always nice to have a little baseball back so we can get into that. one 800 espn one 800 But it's not very often that the event of the weekend is a boxing match, and that is the case tonight. You have Tyson Fury, you have Deontay Wilder. Second matchup, right? They had the controversial split decision last time. And I feel like I love a good boxing match, not just because it's guys punching each other and it's not me getting punched. And, and it's just fun watching. I Look, I, I don't know what it is, if it's something uh, within our, our, our brains or our DNA or what it is. You like watching guys punch each other. But any sporting event, and we had this conversation off the air, they say it's going to start at 9 p.m. The, the the card is going to start at 9 p.m. The fight will probably take closer. I would think take place closer to like 11, and that it, to me, with a wife and kids, that is perfect. Any sporting event where it can happen that late at night is already jumps up in my mind because now I know I can just be left alone. I can just watch. I don't have to worry about this thing taking place. I don't got to worry about a kid being picked up from here and being taken there. I don't got to worry about the garbage that needs to be taken. I can just sit by myself in a box. I would be happy just sitting in a box with a big TV at any sporting event. But it's a it's a sporting event where guys are going to be punching each other. So that automatically takes a jump up in my mind. So in terms of the fight itself, the interesting thing about this one to me is that you have the decision last time. So this time, you know there's going to be a third fight, right? I mean, that's almost guaranteed. There's a clause in the contract that whoever loses, they have 30 days to to request a rematch and it's automatic. So you know there's going to be a third fight because with the amount of money both guys are going to be making and the personalities involved and the, and the wilder uh, big punch and the, the, the possibility of a knockout and just the lack of really good heavyweights around, you know there's going to be a third fight. But this fight... It almost feels like it counts for like two wins because whoever wins this one will be able to say, well, see, I told you last time the decision was wrong. Now, I think it kind of favors Wilder in that way because I know they can say, if not for the two knockdowns, that Fury would have won. That's like saying, if not for the three home runs, the other team would have won the game. No, I mean, (laughs) that's the whole point of the sport is to knock the other guy down. So, no, the the person who probably should have won last time probably was Wilder. The better fighter overall, I feel like, and most people, I think, feel like, is Wilder. Wilder's the favorite tonight, and I would probably agree with that. But it feels like that this one counts as two. And the other thing that's going against Fury, it wasn't even like the last time he fought. Who did he fight the last time? Otto Wallen, Walden, something like that? He didn't even look good then. He had that big gash over his over his eye. Was it? His, I think it was his left eye. 
It was a bloody mess. And I don't mean that bloody like an English bloody mess. No, he was actually literally a bloody mess. So I don't have a lot of hope that uh, that Tyson Fury is going to be able to win tonight. The added weight, I've heard people say, is going to be an issue as well. But I'm interested in it. I'll be locked in. And I'll be locked in at least partly because I know I'm going to have the TV to myself. I'm going to be downstairs. The dog's going to be asleep. The kids are going to be asleep. The wife's going to be asleep. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Now, hopefully, we get a decent fight. And hopefully, the takeaway after the fight is, well, this was fantastic for these reasons. And it's not. You jump on Twitter and the, the, the complaint is it's boxing. Because the fact that I know there's going to be a third fight and the fact that I know that there's going to be a third fight, it's a little tougher if Wilder goes out there tonight and knocks Fury down and knocks him out, let's say, in the sixth round. It's harder to sell that fight. And it is boxing. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it's boxing. And weird things happen in boxing so that they can sell the next fight. And it feels like that always pops up in boxing. Perennial. I mentioned Triple G getting screwed the last time. Actually, both times, I feel like. So I'm not uh, convinced. It seems perfect for, for Deontay Wilder to go out there tonight, put the first fight behind him, the disappointment of the decision, knock out Fury, who I don't think is all that talented, and move on. But the fact that there's that third fight kind of rings in my mind. I don't know. Don't like it. Don't like it at all. Yes, exactly. Is that the uh, law and order? Yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily the, the sound effect we should go with, but we'll work. We can work with the Kyrie. We can work with it. All right, let's go to the Worth a try. All right. So, hey, look, everything's worth a try. Considering what Ty's bringing to the program, I mean, anything's worth a try. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Kenny is in Jersey. Kenny, what's going on, my man? What's up, Gordon? How you doing this morning? I'm good, man. I'm feeling good. All right, look, I called to talk about the, the fight, but real quick, I got a solution for the for the Astros. All right. And make everything better. Okay. Real, it's real simple. All right. Just say, we cheated. We're sorry. Yeah, they're not going to do simple that. Simple as that. No, they're not going to do that. We're sorry, and we cheated the game, blah, blah, blah. Show a little remorse, even if you're lying. Just say it. It's too, you away. know what, though, Kenny? In fairness, it's too late. They had their chance to do that, and if they had come, not that it would have made it 100% better, but I think in this point, you're just looking for an at least, right? I brought this up during yeah. the week. You're just looking for at least the Astros admitted they cheated, or at least right. baseball said they'd take away the trophy. You're just looking for at least, and you didn't even get an at least. So no. I don't think you're going to get it now. And they can't keep saying, oh, oh, you know, it didn't help us. It didn't help us. Really? <laughs> right. right. Didn't no, help. no. Right. You just kept doing it. You know, fastball's coming. That don't help you. Right. No, I mean, you were up by 20 games in September. You're still doing it. It didn't help you, right? It, it, it was obviously against the rules. We knew it was against the rules. We were hiding it because it was against the rules. But it didn't help us, but we kept doing it. Right. But, look, let me touch on the fight real quick sure. and I'll let you go. Hey, did you, see, did you see Big Boy didn't even want to take off his shirt? I think he might be. He's going to be a little too slow because he's going to try to knock out Wilder. Yeah, Yeah, Fury's going to try to knock Wilder out. He said if he's going to put on the extra pounds, and he ain't. He's not going to run around. He's going to try to knock him out. Well, that might be a mistake because he don't have the punching power that that Wilder has. So he might get caught. So I mean, the the fair money say bet on a Wilder in the first three rounds. Uh, yeah, well, look, I mean, I think that Wilder, Wilder is the favorite. I don't know how much, how heavy a favorite he is. And I think it actually is probably better for boxing if Fury were to win tonight because it makes the third fight more sellable, uh, more marketable. 
Sellable, I don't think, is a word. But it's 728 in the morning. What do you want from me? It's more marketable if he wins. And in terms of personality, he does have the bigger box office personality, I think, that ropes people in. But I just think that Wilder's a better fighter. And the fact that, you're right, he's putting on more weight in this. Although, didn't Wilder put on more weight, too? Wilder, though, you don't question whether or not he can knock out Fury because he knocked him down in the last fight. Fury, I don't know whether or not he can he can knock him out. And the fact that he's putting on that extra weight tells you he doesn't he's not really all that confident he can knock him out. Let's go out to Anthony in Staten Island. Anthony, what's going on, my man? Hey, good morning. Um, I guess um, I want to kind of talk about the ice goes, but sure. Let me tell you something. Hopefully, Severino's not still uh, injured, and I, I guess hope it's so. A little Anthony, promising. So. A little promising that they did have the MRI in the CAT scans, and and hopefully it's just a loose body and they could kind of scope it out or something, but. Here's my take on, on this, right? Manfred, I mean, let's face it. Anybody who really knows what's going on realizes he couldn't have ever done anything to the players. Union would have never allowed it, and he works for the owners. So ultimately, I think he's kind of catching the short end of this because the dude's done a pretty good job as a commissioner. And, I mean, I'm a little bit of a baseball junkie. I mean, he's the, the Little League World Series, having it on ESPN, some of those games were rating higher than the Red Sox-Yankee games, right? The moving the MLB draft from Jersey to, to, to Omaha for the College World Series and doing all the things from the RBI, the inner city stuff. And, I mean, just a, a host of stuff that he's done. He, you know, he's done a pretty good job. But, you know, unfortunately, the only thing anyone's going to remember is this scandal. And what I find really amusing is, let's face it, from the pine tar to the, to the ceiling signs to all this other stuff to the steroids, and now all of a sudden these players with their outrage – I mean, let's face it, um, you know, Beltran worked for the Yankees. The Yankee players knew that, and I'm, I'm a huge Yankee fan, right? They knew what was going on. So they weren't outraged yesterday, but they're outraged today. You know, or, or when you have a teammate, you know he's obviously juicing, or you know when a pitcher has, has a pint on his, on his, you know, Pineda on his forearm. You're all angels, but now all of a sudden everybody is, uh, you know, has become, you know, this, this – uh, this righteous person that's sitting on their soapbox. So I, I'm I'm not buying it. I mean, look, they, they, they got caught. It's over. Move on. All right. Well, look, you're going to have to, right? You're going to have to move on. But you hit on a couple of things there, Anthony. Let me let me get back at you. Uh, the, the Severino stuff about the MRI, the, the MRIs always come back clean until they don't come back clean, right? Like they, they give them one. It's clean. They give them a say, oh, that's fine. And then they give them another, oh, look at that. All of a sudden this thing popped up. So the, the MRI, everything's good until it's not good. Uh, the, the players, he couldn't, Rob Manfred couldn't do anything to the players. Well, he would not have been able to punish the players where it would have stuck. You're right. Because the players union would have fought it. Absolutely. But as I said before, at this point, you're looking for an at least and you didn't get it. So Rob Manfred could have said, you know what? I am going to, I'm going to suspend the players. I'm going to hit these players with 30 games, 50 games, 20 games, whatever it was. And while it wouldn't have stood up in court, an arbitrator probably would have thrown it out. That's all true. At least you would have been able to say, well, at least Rob Manfred tried to do that because you haven't gotten any of that. The 2017 team didn't get punished. The current team doesn't feel like it's being punished. A $5 million fine, a loss of draft picks, and the firing of the manager and the GM doesn't feel like it's anywhere close to equal for what the crime was. And the crime was significant. And for the Carlos Beltran point that other people have brought up, it kind of really all that does is prove the point of that the players in Houston couldn't have said no to Carl. He just steamrolled everybody. 
Well, that clearly wasn't the case. Because if there was any proof at this point, trust me, if there was any proof that the Yankees were doing this, people would be all over it. And they're not. They haven't been able to find any proof. And if proof does come up, don't worry. It will be the biggest thing going, even though the Yankees didn't obviously benefit the way the Astros did. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. So we touched on the Astros right in the first hour. We touched on the big fight tonight. We, we dabbled, a little dabbling in the XFL. We got a lot of things out of the way, but we also just focused there before the top of the hour about the movies that traumatized you as a kid. So Ty brought up Paranormal Activity, which I got to be honest, it's too generic of a name for me to even remember. But it came out in 2007. So Ty, how old were you in 2007? I was 14. And I'm I, shocked that you've never heard of this movie. It was I pretty popular. I probably have. But you know what happens now? These movies... A lot of them, they come up with these generic titles that they all kind of run together after a while. So I'm sure, looking at the, the movie poster online, it does kind of seem familiar. But I'll have to see if I can track it down on Netflix or Amazon or, or one of these services. And I will I will be fair. I will try and track it down. If I can, next week, Saturday morning, we will. I'll give you a uh, Netflix and Chill review. And I am a huge fan of short films, so this has a... TRT of 86 minutes. So it's not going to. You're in, you're out, and you're yep. already having nightmares. Uh, look, I, I don't know that much about it. Paranormal activity obviously means ghosts. I will say this without seeing it, without really knowing that much about it, it obviously is a better choice than a movie about a giant snake in the Amazon, right? Like that, I mean, how that would be scary to you. Is this a scene from the aforementioned Anaconda? I remember seeing the previews for Anaconda, and it wasn't because it was scary. It was it seemed so ridiculous. Jennifer Lopez was in it, right? John Voight. I don't think John Voight did too well in that movie. Yeah, he got eaten up and then Spoilers! Vomited. I mean, people might still they might have big plans. I was 11 years Anaconda. old in 97 when this movie came out, and it scared the you-know-what out of me. All right, well, you look, asked. I, I, I did ask. There's nobody to blame here but me. Uh, there's a couple of people who have some suggestions. We'll see. You can tell by the ages of people by the suggestions they bring up. And I'm super old. Ty and, 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 and Kyrie are a little younger, so maybe we can cover the whole globe here in terms of uh, movies that traumatize you. Ralph in Queens. Ralph? Yep. Go, my man. What's you got? Oh, how's it going? Sorry. Um, I don't know if you remember a, a miniseries, uh, V? Short for Visitor? Yeah, yeah. I, that was an NBC uh, vehicle, I think it was, right? That was on NBC. It was about aliens that came down. Were they? I think they were. Were yeah. they? They were bad guys from the start, right? They they didn't try to like trick yeah. us into thinking they were good guys, and they were kind of like reptilian people, from what I remember. Exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. But when I remember watching that with my two older brothers, and when you know when they kind of revealed that they were reptiles, right? My brothers, they turned to me and they say, "Ralph." And he'd go to, like, pull up their <laughs> and they'd freak me out. Right. Like, no, that'll do it to you. Do. Yeah, like, when I was, like, 20, they did it again. And, you know, like, right. every few years, they'll bring it up. You know? Well, to, get, to, to Ralph, to give out. you an idea, I think all, like, older siblings have something similar to that. I, my sister will kill me for saying this on the air. But when I was a kid, I was the youngest. My sister was older. She would do this thing where I would come into a room. And she'd be on the phone and she'd be, you know, talking to somebody. It was nobody on the phone, but she'd be talking to the person on the phone and say, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, all right, got it, cool, okay. She'd hang up the phone and then she'd say, oh, that was mom. She told me that I am to murder you. And then she would proceed to chase me around the house threatening to murder me. 
So uh, that's what I had to work with. So maybe these movies shouldn't have traumatized me at all. It's amazing I have not just grown up with just overwhelming, overpowering anxiety. I should probably need medication or something that I fought through it. Uh, Reggie is in Queens. Reggie, what movie you got, my man? The original Omen in 1976. Omen, oh yeah, Damien. Oh yeah, the scene where the oh. girl's standing on the thing. Damien! Damien, it's all for you! Oh my God, that scene. Yeah, that'll throw you. Or the other one when the kid was standing in the hallway and the uh-huh. dog started chasing him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. The, no, the, anything to do with the devil, I feel like, uh, even though it's not maybe the most – like a snake is obviously much more of this world. I feel like the, the unknown of the devil. Yeah, Damien, that was a good one. Yeah, I didn't think of that one. That was a little bit – I think that was a little bit before my time. I think that was like early 70s. It really had to do with what was on HBO. HBO, I feel like, was uh, – <laughs> <laughs> there was a reason why you weren't really supposed to be watching HBO. And I'm not even talking about – remember when you had the, the, the box that had the wire to the t- – you guys are too young to remember this. But you used to have the box with the wire and then you could push a couple of the buttons in at the same time. And it would it would give you some channels that you didn't ordinarily have. And when you made that discovery, boy, that was some like – Squiggly lines? Right. You It was like you were discovering plutonium, my friend. It was like, whoa, what is this? Michael's in Manhattan. Michael, what's going on, man? Hey, listen, uh, devil movies are scary, but yeah. the real scary one is um, the original Jaws. I mean, up today, I'm 50 years old. I can barely get into the water because I'm afraid <laughs> that something might pull me down. I'll tell you right now, Mike, I didn't even go. I lived near the beach. I didn't even go to the beach that often, but I was so scared of Jaws. I was so scared to get in pools. I, I thought Jaws was coming to get me. So, yeah, no, Jaws, Jaws, if you're of a certain age, if you're around 45 to 50 years old, that's the movie that whether you know it or not, you've seen it the most times. It has been on a channel every single week, basically since 1976. So you have seen Jaws a thousand, and it's a per, I mean, it is a perfect movie. They should, I don't know if they do, they might. They should teach that movie at film school. Everything about the movie, the name Jaws, the movie poster is iconic. The song is iconic. The fact you don't see the shark for half the movie. They didn't plan it that way, but that's the way it worked out, and it worked out perfectly. Steven Spielberg, summer blockbuster. No, Jaws uh, obviously is a a perfect choice. And Jaws, well, not real. I don't really think that Jaws was scary. You wouldn't qualify that as a horror movie, but there are scenes of it. It's just coming to get you. You're going to need a bigger boat. I mean, the dialogue in the movie is perfect. Everything about that movie, the the Quint character is perfect. But I think even if you just simplify it to, I'm afraid of bodies of water now because yeah, absolutely, I'm of sharks. right, right. It's no, it makes no sense to be scared of a pool. There's obviously no Jaws is not coming. Even as ridiculous as all the Jaws sequels got, nobody ever transferred him to a pool. But even then, you were scared. Of, I was scared. <laughs> hey, water, Jaws is coming to get me. Jeff and Astoria, Jeff. Hey man, yo! I was just—I was just talking to your call screener that uh, Jaws ruined me. Yeah, as a kid. I saw that at like ten years old, and I was like, "What is going on with this movie?" Yeah, I, I went. My mom, my mom brought me to the beach. I was like, "I'm not going in the water." No, God, the, the one, water, the beach, absolutely. What do you, you hate me? You go to Jones. You go to Jones Beach. You can't see your feet three feet <laughs> into the uh, water. Right, Jaws could I'm be right around the corner. Than waist deep. Right. As soon as you saw and the, the pencil movie. at Jones Beach, you're thinking, "No, no, I'm not going in that water." No. And then um, they live. They oh right yeah with uh, Roddy Piper with the su- with the sunglasses yeah yeah you see the sun yeah I didn't think that one that was that was that scary though like I like that one as a movie because it's 
if they did that movie, and I don't mean to insult the people that were involved in the movie, but they could have taken that script and really fine-tuned it some and made it not just a cult classic but an all-time classic. But the fight scene with Roddy Piper where they're trying to get he's trying to get his buddy to try on the glasses, that went on a little too long. It was a little it got a little ridiculous. Uh Mark is in Newark. Mark, what's going on, man? Hey, Gordon. Uh I was just talking to Jai, man. Look, uh it's funny because as soon as I hung as soon as he put me on hold, I was like, Yeah, I got the the number the one and two scariest of all time. The first one Damien the Omen too. Yeah, Damien. Uh, when when I was a kid, I'm 57. When I was a kid, they, uh, when the glass cuts off the boy's head, listen, I, I I have not watched that whole movie. Once I seen that head cut off scene, I was I'm still fried, and I still <laughs> won't watch that. And um, and um and Jaws hands down. Yeah. Uh, when I go to the beach, if my if my ankles are if it's above my ankles, that's good enough for me. Jaws was. Absolutely, like you said, perfect, but I think the most terrifying movie of all time. Easy. Yeah. Damien's, uh, The Omen is a good one. You know, I kind of forgot that one. And as I said, it was a little bit before my time. But, uh, yeah, that one's, that, that's a good one. That's absolutely a good one. Christian on Long Island. Christian, go, man. Hey, how you guys doing? Yeah, so the number one for me, and I think for everybody, has to be Freddy Krueger. I mean, nothing's more scarier than not being able to go to sleep because he's going to get you. He's going to get you. Was, you just don't want somebody yeah, to come so and get you. Yeah. Yeah. I was so traumatized. I didn't sleep for two years. It was so bad that when the sun started coming down every day, I was, I, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. My mother would be like, what's wrong with you? And I would be like, just, I can't, the night, night is coming. That means I cannot go to sleep tonight. And I have to go to my parents' bedroom and literally sleep under their bed. Because I could have sleep by myself. Sleep under the bed? No, that's where he's going to pop up first. That's the worst place to go. That's like, go, I'm going to go sleep in the closet. No, don't go in the closet. What are you, are you crazy? What year did, did the first Nightmare on Elm Street come out? The first Nightmare on Elm Street is Freddy, right? I always get that confused. I get Jason and Freddy and uh, and uh, Friday the 3rd. I get them all confused. What year did that come out? Was that like 85, 86? Because I remember seeing that. And it didn't it didn't have the impact. Maybe it was just simply that I was just a little bit older and all these other things had already <laughs> had already fried my brain. But Jaws is so great because think about all the different versions of Jaws you've seen. Jaws comes out and then everything from that point forward is just Jaws in a different environment. Alien is Jaws 84, the first nightmare. That's strange because they, that I would have been 13 years old. You would think that that would still – it just didn't have the impact that other ones did. But Jaws, that movie has been in every environment. Anaconda is basically Jaws except instead of a shark, it's a, it's a snake. That's, that's why point. you defend – that's why you got to defend Kyrie on this. No, that's ridiculous. No You're one not likes go, snakes. Nobody's going to the Amazon, right? You can avoid well, the snake okay. if you don't go Take to the Amazon. the Amazon. You can't go to a what body of water. What if you go to the bayou? What if, you, what if you're and in New it's, Orleans it's, it's, or It's a Xerox Rouge. copy of a Xerox copy of a Xerox copy of a Xerox copy. Come not on, as man. good it's, as the original it's copy. A, it's an Are you trying animal. to defend Anaconda against Jaws, my friend? No, There are plenty of ridiculous things that have been said on this show – by me, by Ty, that one you cannot defend. I'm not defending. I'm, Jaws is a better movie, classic movie. But a shark and a snake, 
You're both scared of an animal that will eat you no, in the I, water. I, I don't. I don't. Know and at 11 that. years old, right? Well, the the snake has the advantage, right? They can come out of the water, so that uh, yeah, it didn't exactly. really, it didn't really translate trees. that way. It didn't really translate that way on film. I don't. Believe. You were probably like 35 when it came. Right. Out. That doesn't mean anything, Kyrie. I could still be scared. I remember seeing um, what was the the Blair Witch one. The Blair Witch Project. Oh, that was not yeah. scary. That was not that scary, but that last scene where the guy, all of a sudden you come across and the guy's just standing in the corner like, it's something creepy about that. I'm not saying I was traumatized by it, but mainly because I'm saying it out loud. How about the when you found out that he was really dead? You know what? Whoa. I figured that out early. I went on a date with a, a girl, not my wife. That was before her. And I went out and like 20 minutes in, I'm like, this kid is going to, it's going to turn out Bruce Willis is dead. And I just, I just, I don't know why. I just figured it out ahead of time. So that one didn't have the impact. How about Halloween H2O? Michael Myers not H2O. getting some love. What is H2O? What is he in the water that time? <laughs> you Halloween you, you, H2O. What is he Mike, drinking glasses of water? What? Not a big Michael Myers guy? No. Not really. All right. 1 800 919 ESPN. We're going to keep this going. Yeah, we'll keep this going. But uh, we got to get into sports too. Otherwise, they'll, they'll take the show away from me. You know, <laughs> we're talking about the movie Jaws for two hours on Saturday, Gordon. What the heck are you thinking? You got Tyson Fury and Deontay Watt. I realize we're talking about that too. 1 800 919 ESPN. 1 800 919 377. It's all started because I had to apologize to Chris Canty. I just want it on the record that he realizes that I apologized to him. Because Chris Canty, I don't know when he saw. Poltergeist. He was a bigger guy at that point than I was at 13 or 12 when I saw Poltergeist. I'm just saying. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. A lot of people want to get in on the movies that traumatized you as a kid. We all had these movies. and I don't, I don't know if it's possible to do this anymore. Although when you hear Kyrie talk about the, the Anaconda, I guess it, it's all based on your age as well and your your. Your innocence, your purity. I know they're out there. They're just waking up. They're going to call in. You're uh-huh. going to see. Okay. It's a wave of them. All right. Uh, I also don't... think it's it's tough and, dare I say, irresponsible of you to, you know, kind of dilute another person's trauma. I'm Anacondas just are, are Anacondas are something. <laughs> yes. Uh, do you have a lot of experience in the uh, the Amazon? I do, actually. Do you? I've traveled a couple right. of times. Yeah, I yeah. don't know necessarily that anacondas are something that's all that relatable. And I even, get it. And even for me, we talked about this during the break, child's play. Chucky, I'm not a big oh. fan of dolls. And then you laughed at well, I me. I mean, it's silly. I mean, somebody brought that up. I can't remember who the, the person who tweeted me. Uh, Gene Brannigan, child's play. After seeing that movie, I threw my brother's buddy, my buddy doll out of the house. It was a doll. I mean, what was the doll going to do to you? The doll. See, here you go again, downplaying someone else's I'm trauma. I'm just saying it doesn't see. And, and look, I have a thousand of them. You're such l- a horror snob. I'm just saying, like, it's the devil. It's it's aliens from another planet looking to capture your body. It's nuclear war. It's Malachi, children of the corn. You couldn't get away from Malachi. I remember the Hitcher on HBO. There used to be a series. It was kind of like a take on the on the Twilight Zone, and it would every once it wasn't all they weren't all golden episodes. I'm not going to tell you they were all good, but every once in a while they'd hit you with one. You'd be like, oh. Quickly, themes I can't get away from, or or I can't get away from quick enough, or like evil grandmothers. Yeah, they had that one movie. Like a couple of years ago, where the I don't know, I don't remember what the name of it was, but like the kid was at grandma's house and grandma was trying to like cook him. Like, why don't you get in the oven? What, Grandma? I don't remember what movie it was. But, like, when you saw that as a – I don't see commercials that much anymore because you DVR stuff. You just fly through it. But that one one stopped you in your tracks. That one stopped you in your tracks. Robert's in Manhattan. Robert. 
believe me, good morning, Gordon, there are a lot of movies, a lot of worse horror movies than Jaws. However, let me tell you from a historian's point of view, the most memorable scene in Jaws by far is the story of the USS Cruiser Indianapolis. Sure, of course. And I will tell you this. Anyone who wants to really see horror for an hour should watch the History Channel because they did a special on what happened when the Japanese submarine I-58... Now, fortunately for world history, the cruiser was on its way back from Tinian after it had uh, uh, brought the bomb to the island of Tinian, the first bomb that fell on Hiroshima. Uh, imagine what would have happened, how world history would have changed had it been the other way around and uh, it, had been, it had been torpedoed on its way to Tinian. But when that cruiser was, to, uh, to, uh, was torpedoed, 800 men jumped into the Pacific and for four days, you've seen the scenes with the sharks. That is horror. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, it's all about escapism as well, right? Like, I mean, that's the – it's not real. That's why – I mean, it's a little tough to take uh, the, the History Channel when it's real stuff, right? And, and you're putting yourself in that position. So that's why we have the escapism of, uh, of Jaws or even, for younger people, Anaconda. Do they have anything on the uh, History Channel about anacondas doing that to people? I don't think so. Sean is in Chicago. I'm, I'm Sean, what's going on? Uh, yeah, so me and Ty, we're about the same age. Uh-huh. And I think the two two movies that from like our age, like early 2000s, that were the most terrifying were The Ring and The Grudge. The Those Ring was the little like, girl, right? She came through like the television or something well. like that. The Grudge. Yeah, I don't think I remember like, The Grudge. What was The Grudge similar? about? I mean, all these kind of scary movies really don't have much of a plot. <laughs> I was like that girl with the hair draped over her face. Like, yeah, that was that, that was the ring, right? Or is it, that, well, that they also well, carried that one on to the Grudge too? Yeah, it's kind of similar. But yeah. those two movies were like the most terrifying for like me and Ty's generation. Right. Well, see, I mean, like if you saw the ring and you don't like little girls with the hair pulled over their face, I think you stay away from the Grudge. I think that that one's kind of on you. How do you feel about the ring? That was also traumatizing. The ring. I don't remember it well enough. I was a, I was an adult by that point. Hopping Not, through again, TVs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that it had that impact. You I mean, what are we talking about when you're 12, 13? I think it has to happen at a certain period of time. And it, to me, it's not even the whole movie. It's just those individual scenes that hit, like Invasion of the Body Snatcher. I don't, I don't know that it was that great of a movie, but that one scene or Salem's Lot when like the devil's like tapping on the window. The devil will get you. The devil can get you anywhere. It's not like an anaconda. JP's in Staten Island. JP. Hey, Gordon, how you doing? Um, listen, I, I'm around uh, Kyrie's age, I'm, uh, more or less. And Anaconda was a great movie. Don't get me wrong. Great, great movie. movie. I don't know if it was a great movie. I think you're going to have a hard time making that case, JP. But go ahead. Uh, but listen, there's one movie that nobody has mentioned yet and i'm actually surprised but the exorcist do you remember what when the exorcist first came out you know i was a little young for that but i remember when i did eventually see that and that was one of those ones that i knew going in my parents did not want me to see (laughs) but i went and saw it anyway and i realized later why i should not have seen that yeah we brought that one up during the morning show we had not brought the exorcist has not popped up today but yes absolutely the exorcist of course (laughs) <laughs> All right, man. And you know what's weird about The Exorcist is is that you have this little kid who is an actress in Linda Blair. I can't imagine my wife comes to me and she says, well, sweetie, uh, Madeline has gotten a movie part. Oh, my goodness, that's fantastic. What's she going to be doing? Let me see the part. And then I take a look at the part. What? She's going to be doing what? 
It was a little, I mean, for a little kid to be doing and saying and, and act, whoa, Sean is in Huntington. Sean. Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up? Um, yeah, I'm actually like 44, so I got like two movies. I got one for you, Gordon, and I got one for Kai, Kyrie and, um, and Ty. For you, I got Cujo. Cujo. Yeah, Cujo was silly to me. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't scared by Cujo. Yeah, I, yeah, it scared me to bits to right. the point where I, I, well, I can't look, have the dog, the, the, right the, the way, I don't know what they did to that dog to make him seem like he was frothing at the mouth. I'll, I'll, get, I'll grant you that. That one was, uh, that was pretty good. Yeah, it was good. And then for, for Ty and Kyrie, I got Final Destination. Final Destination. That's the one where you, you can't escape death, right? Like death is coming for you regardless. To me, that was more of like, all right, how is, like the individual scenes, like, all right, how is that light switch now going to impact? How is this going to work? I, I that one did not uh, did not land with me as like the other ones. Did, 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 were you frightened by the final destination? Oh, I ones? was. Yeah. Well, it, you yeah, know, it's so yeah. funny to me. Like, I always hated m- scary movies, but I couldn't escape watching them. Well, I mean, that's the thing about scary movies, right? I mean, you know, going in that you you want this little bit of uh, of a fear, and you want it to be in a safe environment, so you like that little bit of a thrill. I can't get to watch them anymore because my wife will just simply not watch them. Well, just wait until midnight to watch them when she's asleep. I do that, but it's not the same. It's not that you need that other person. You need that, like a, the other people to be around you to kind of give you that, that fright as well. Like it's a group experience, it's almost like a stand-up comedian, but on the other end of the spectrum, right? You need that, that group environment to kind of put you – like when I watched Jaws, I watched it with my sister and my mother. And when that head popped out of the boat, my mother screamed so loud we both fell off the bed. You need those other screamers. You need those other screamers that you feed off the other people screaming. Yeah, same as I the comedy. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN.